So one of the persons in the Bible, biblical characters I used to model my life is Daniel. Daniel was a prophet in the world. He was in the king's court. I want that knowledge, skill in all learning and wisdom that Daniel had. And he used it to impact a whole nation. He made the king of all the kings he served under, he made them prosperous in his secular ministry. Also had a prophetic ministry and an intercessory ministry. In fact, the Bible talks about Daniel used to pray three times a day. Even though you are not in public ministry, you can be in the world, you can be in the marketplace, you can be at home, and you can still be mightily used of God. In fact, God wants to use you as mightily in the marketplace as he does the ministers who are out there in the field. So prayer and, and God and things of God is really for everybody, for everybody. Welcome to the Spirit Empowered Leader Podcast, Resurgence Initiatives Podcast. Our heart is to see a movement of leaders released in all spheres of society and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Never before has there been such a need for good leadership. We're on a journey to be equipped, encouraged, and empowered. Join our conversations as we talk spirit-empowered leadership and see God's kingdom at work through God's people everywhere they go. Hey, we want to welcome you back to the Spirit Empowered Leader podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We have an incredible uh, guest that's going to be with us, a dear friend of ours. And uh, my name is Travis Salonia. This is Donovan Beyer. Hello. And uh, we are on this journey of leadership, spirit-empowered leadership, and we um, just are journeying together and invite you to join us for this. Uh, the ministry that we lead is called Resurgence Initiatives, based in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And, uh, and so we've been journeying since 2008, and one of the things that God has kind of put on our hearts in this season is to create a podcast that would speak to leaders, leaders that might be in a church, leaders that might be in business, or, or any sphere of leadership. If, if you feel like there's a call of leadership, I believe, and we believe, there's a leader in every chair that God has called everyone to lead uh, where they're at. And if you're a mom, if you're an engineer, if you're a doctor, wh wherever God has called you to lead, His Spirit wants to use you to lead in a whole new way, in to be led by Him, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God. And, uh, and so we're excited to talk leadership. And uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, we have a bunch of podcasts already that have come out. Um, but when we have a bunch of awesome guests coming this season. So um, if you want more info on Resurgence, check us out at liveresurgence.com. You can find out all about us. But Donovan, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, really looking forward to the conversation we're about to have. I know uh, one of the things that our guest is really passionate about is prayer. And prayer is one of my favorite things to talk about. So I think this is going to be a really amazing conversation as we explore the intersection between the spirit-filled leader and a life of prayer. Yeah, I, you know, one of the things that uh, I get to travel, you get to travel to churches and, and, and do a lot of ministry. And mm -hmm. one of the things that uh, I see lacking in this season um, and has been a struggle is prayer is we see um, pastors wanting prayer, desire prayer, desire for their churches to pray. But 
there isn't a lot of prayer happening. There, there are movements that are growing and, and we're praying and believing for that. But I feel like there's been this prayer is, is sometimes one pastor said to me, he goes, it's the least attended meeting in our church. Mm, so and, and that's really sad to hear. Um, but it's hard. I, I've led prayer ministries, things for churches, and I find it it's hard to get people to pray. If you say, hey, there's worship, hey, there's food, people will show up for pizza. Um, but sometimes to pray, it's a, it's another story. Uh, have mm-hmm. you found that, Donovan? What's your experience? I know you were involved in the House of Prayer. Yeah, we. I was in, on staff with House of Prayer Edmonton about uh, ten years ago, and and it was amazing. It was such a great experience for me. We we would pray every day for a few hours, um, and we would seek seek God and believe for His purposes in the city. But uh, yeah, I agree, Travis. I think a lot of churches are asking questions about how how do we foster prayer in our people, and and how do we actually build a culture of prayer where prayer isn't just something that we, uh, yeah, it's not just attack or add on. It's actually something that's a part of our culture and a part of who we are. Um, and it's sad to me because I think prayer should be one of the most important things that we give ourselves to as ministers and as leaders, and not just church ministers, but anyone who's seeking to live a spirit-empowered life, needs to have prayer be foundational. Yeah, as you're watching today, I'm curious, how, how is prayer for you? How is prayer for you as a leader? How, how does that look for you? Do you have a rhythm of prayer? Have you been, have there been books that have encouraged you in prayer? Like where where have you been challenged to pray more? What, what does that look like? And I, I think it's important to have rhythms. And, and one of the things as we unpack spirit-empowered leadership, uh, one of the first guests that we wanted to have was was our guest today because um, I just know he carries something in prayer. He has modeled it. He has been a gift to our community and to me personally in encouraging me in a life of prayer. And so we're, we're going to jump into that in a moment. But just want to encourage you that as, as you're listening today, and we've, say this, we've said this on all the other podcasts, hey, we're not just about information. You know, maybe you're listening to us at the gym or on a plane or, or at home or in your car, and you can get a lot of information from podcasts. But information will only go so far in our minds. But we believe that revelation will actually transform us, that when God gives revelation. And so our prayer and our prayer for this podcast is that you listen today, that you wouldn't just hear a story of, of, of our friend sharing. You wouldn't hear our rambling, but you would hear the spirit of God speaking to you. And, and drawing you and teaching you and, and, and the revelatory word of the God coming into your mind and heart through this. So that's the prayer of today and uh, that you would be encouraged in your prayer life and what it looks like to live prayer out um, as a leader wherever God has placed you. Mm, for sure. Yeah, we're really looking forward to uh, this conversation today. And, uh, and again, I just I want to echo that. And, and one of the things, even before we get to our guest, that, that the Holy Spirit's kind of highlighting to me right now is Psalm 16, verse 11, where it says, You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, at your, uh, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. This whole idea that prayer is something that can be enjoyable. Prayer is something that we can, uh, it doesn't have to be like a burden. And, and I really feel like our guest today is going to help us kind of get that mindset about prayer. So Travis, why don't you tell us a bit about our guest and let's look, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. And you know, I'm thinking Donovan, one of the things when we started resurgence in 2008, God laid this word resurgence, rising again, renewal, restoration to use, revival. I had never heard of the word before. And one of the th- 
first things we did is we felt to, to gather in a theater in downtown Edmonton and gather mm-hmm. people. But before we ever gathered anyone, we felt we had to have a foundation of prayer. Prayer had to be our foundation. And, and I remember um, we didn't know what it was. We were just doing a gathering and we invited a bunch of people to pray. Maybe there was 10, 12 of us in this big 600 seat theater. And as we started mm-hmm. to pray, God started to, to really speak. And one of the things he spoke that I wrote down, he says, this isn't about a night. This is about a lifestyle. This isn't mm-hmm. about a night. This is a movement. And yeah. you know, it's God speaking when you have 10 people, 12 people in a room and you're like, okay, there is no movement with 12 people. Like I, I you know, this, this is pretty small. God, we don't mm-hmm. even know what it is. We're, we're not a ministry. We're just doing a gathering. We're doing three nights of meetings and we're called at resurgence. And God began to speak, hey, it's not about what happens at a, at a service on a Sunday or a Saturday night. But it's how you live that spirit-filled life every day, how you live mm-hmm. a life of prayer, how you live a life leading others to Jesus, how, mm-hmm. how you live that life as a leader. And so it's really cool to see how those roots years ago and the foundation has brought us to this moment today to even talk about prayer and talk about it as a lifestyle of prayer. And so um, I want to invite our guest. Our guest is someone that I met um, and I was actually led by the Spirit to meet him. Um, mm-hmm. We had a gathering on a Saturday night a number of years ago in a church in Edmonton. And we had a break time. You know, we had announcements. We had a standard kind of service. And during that break time, I met a few people. And I went around and said, hey, I'm Travis. Good to meet you. And one of the people I met was uh, my friend Yari, who's our guest today. And as I went back to my seat, I felt the Holy Spirit whisper into my heart, get to know him. He's a gift from God. Hmm. That, that's, that's what I felt. And I thought, I don't know him. I don't know anything about him. So I went back and he was trying to duck out. Like he was like first to get out of there. He's probably like, I'm getting out. I don't know why I even came. I, I don't know what was going through his mind. But I mean, I, I harassed this guy. Like I'm like, hey, I'm Travis. Hey, can we do lunch? Can, can we connect? Can we? He's like, oh, okay. And he was kind of all kind of sheepish. And so um, got to know Uh, Yari. And uh, Yari is a doctor. We'll have him kind of share a little bit about his medical training. He's a pathologist, a molecular pathologist. And um, he had come to Edmonton and he was working at the hospital. Um, And I I soon discovered after a couple meals with Yari that he had an incredible life of prayer. And he became a real gift to me personally, encouraging me in prayer, encouraging our ministry in prayer, being a key leader in prayer for resurgence. And and he carries us in prayer. And so I want to invite you. So would you give a warm welcome today to Dr. Yari Ezebei? And I probably just butchered his name and I do it every time. But Yari, so glad to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's quite a pleasure. <laughs> and Yari, where are you uh, uh, connecting with us today from? Uh, from Atlanta, Georgia. So I've relocated from Edmonton. Um, I'm at the Emory, one of the hospitals for Emory University. Uh, I'm in molecular pathologies here, as you said. Yeah. And, and tell us a little bit about your background, your training to get to where to be a molecular pathologist. And kind of what a molecular pathologist does for those that are like, what is that? Okay, yeah, thanks for asking. <laughs> my journey is quite a long story. Um, uh, from my accent, you probably know that I'm from uh, Nigeria. 
So I did my medical school in Nigeria. Um, then I moved over to uh, the US, Alabama, where I did a PhD in molecular biology. Then I went back to uh, medical training for about uh, a total of six years, six additional years, where I did pathology I, uh, at, um, at the uh, University of Buffalo and at Roswell Park Cancer Institute. Then I moved to the Mayo Clinic, where I did my training in molecular pathology. And then from there, I came to Canada and I was a molecular pathologist at the University of Alberta Hospital for a couple of years. So what a molecular pathologist does is um, we look at how the genetics of disease uh, and how mutations either contribute to um, hereditary disease or to cancer. And so looking at those mutations, we can help tell the treating doctor how to tackle the disease and how to treat it, or we can also tell him what is the diagnosis of that disease. But the important thing is that we look at the genetics. Um, so pathology starts from multiple levels. You can start at the tissue level, that's just take a biopsy and look at the cells then you can keep on going down, right down to the genes, and that's what I do. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks, thanks for sharing. Um, and so when we talk about your journey and uh, person of prayer, prayer is really important to you. Uh, when, did, when did that kind of journey for you start in being someone that's going, hey, prayer has to be key in my life? Um, can, you, can you tell us a little bit about that and where that journey, I know that's, we, we could probably have a five-hour podcast just on this, um, but, but give us a little snapshot of where God has really impressed prayer in, in, in your heart. Yeah, so, you know, when people ask me that question, sometimes I locate it to the time when I was in college, but thinking about it, it even goes beyond that. So I got saved when I was 11 in, um, just as I entered what we in Nigeria call secondary school. That's equivalent to somewhere between middle school and um, high school here. I was about 10, 11. I was just about to become 11 years. Then I got spirit filled when I was around 13 years. So that is actually when my journey in prayer began. So when I got spirit-filled, I got spirit, I got saved in my middle school, my, my in secondary school, um, but I got spirit-filled um, through friends back at home. So when I got back to school, I mentioned to a couple of people that I had gotten spirit-filled and they wanted the experience. And so, I told one other guy who was spirit-filled and we gathered this guy and we prayed for him and he had this beautiful experience in the Holy Spirit. Now, subsequently, uh, a group of people got together and I was there and we decided that let's pray for revival in our secondary school. And we started praying one hour in tongues every day during the rest period. I think we were about 15, 16 at the time. And we kept on doing it. And now the other sort of thought revival meant having a big revival meeting and they being the ones preaching and laying on hands. And it didn't turn out that way as they thought. But just as we were leaving, 
the Holy Spirit hits the secondary school and people started getting saved, filled with the Spirit. In fact, I remember one person got healed of deafness in one ear. So I actually had forgotten this experience, but that is really when my um, prayer uh, life began. But, you know, I didn't, it was not a personal thing at that time. It was just a group thing. And so I was, I prayed because we were a group. When I was with, outside the group, my prayer life wasn't that particularly remarkable till I got to um, college and uh, I joined this fellowship. And we had a lot of teaching along this line, a lot of practice. I became involved in evangelism. And then I noticed that, for whenever we used to go from door to door, and whenever we preach to people, maybe we preach to about 15 people before one person gets saved. And I wanted to be more effective, you know. And so I was doing investigation, and I found out reading and talking to people, I found out the key was prayer. And that is really how I started, because I wanted to see better results in evangelism. And um, so that's actually how it started. I've had a long journey from there. It's been a long journey. Um, how So I was both in evangelism and in prayer, but then I noticed that prayer wasn't strong in the churches, wasn't strong in people's lives, and um, I started tilting more towards prayer. And I also felt God leading me to church. He said, go to this church and pray for them. And that is really how my commitment to prayer began, because I sort of felt God saying in my heart, just a, not a particularly spectacular leading, but just a small leading on the inside, pray for this church. And that's how it started. Wow, that's amazing and inspiring. And so what does your prayer life look like today? Like, how has that developed? How has that um I know you spend a lot of time in prayer and this is something that you are very passionate about. And there'll be times that I'll be like, Yari, let's, let's go out to eat after the service. And you're like, no, I must go to prayer. And it's like, well, we just had a service Yari. And I remember one time even bugging you and going like that, that seems a little like legalism, religious that you have to pray, like, like clock it in, like you're clocking in a job and, and so can you talk to us what that what that looks like for you and what you have felt God kind of lead you in to pray? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fantastic question. You know, you have to balance. When does, when does it become legalistic? When does it become, um, when is it, how, is, how do you make it fresh and spiritual all the time? Now, so the, why I'm so passionate about prayer is that um, prayer can be tough without, you know, without any question. And uh, like if you look in the Bible, uh, on the on two most vital times of Jesus's life, when he um, at his uh, at the just before his crucifixion in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter, John, James were all sleeping. <laughs> I mean, and this was a pattern on the Mount of Transfiguration. They were sleeping, so there is no question that prayer can be difficult, um, and so that's why sometimes you have to push yourself. But for me, when I started giving myself to prayer and praying for churches, the effect was remarkable without any question. I would see 
you know, I, I would persevere in prayer for a church or for somebody or for, you know, uh, a family or a group or anybody. And then after persevering and pushing myself to, you know, to stay with it, the effect, sometimes God just, all of a sudden, the presence and the power of God just hits the place. I mean, tangible, without undeniable presence and power of God, the miracles I've seen, remarkable, remarkable. And I can go on reading out testimonies on and on and on. So when you see these things, you are hungry for more. You know where it comes from. And so you just cannot let it go because you've seen it. Of course, it's clear from the Bible. The promises are there that this is what God says he will do if you pray. But you've now also seen it. You've experienced it. And people have seen it. And they've come to you for prayer. They've come to thank you for coming, you know, to pray for them, for their church or for whatever. And they, they are hungry to, for you to pray for them. So that is undeniable. And when you see that, you want more of it. And so it's that hunger that drives me personally to pray more and more and more. Now, why I make it almost, I make sure I always clock a certain amount of time in prayer is that it's just like an athlete or you're going to the gym. If you miss a day, <laughs> the next time it's a little harder on your body. Your body becomes more... Uh, resistance, you know, you become, it's, you, you become, you lose your cutting edge. So I always want to make sure I don't lose my cutting edge no matter what. And that's why some people may think, oh gosh, let's go and do something else. Oh, prayer, prayer. I've had a friend say, when I told, it's not only you, Travis, uh, I remember it, when I was back in Alabama and someone came to me and said, hey, let's go and do this. And I knew this was the time I give myself to prayer. I said, no, I want to go and pray. And unconsciously, the person just said, prayer, 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 prayer. <laughs> so I see where that's coming from. But um, you have to keep on your on the sharp cutting edge. That's why I try never to miss it any day. You have to be sharp. You know, when you, you must be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You must be alert. That's why I, I always, and it's, for me, it's not legalistic. I just, there's just this drive because I've seen it happen and I want to maintain that cutting edge in prayer. Yari, that is just such a cool story. Uh, I just love that that's the posture of your heart. It, it reminds me of Martin Luther, who's kind of quoted by saying, you know, I pray for an hour a day unless I'm really busy, then I have to pray for two hours a day. <laughs> and, you yeah. know, I think, I think as leaders, we can often feel like life is so busy, like there's so much going on, so much that's vying for our attention. And so I'm just wondering if you could speak to that a little bit and how, how do you maintain a prayer life in the midst of busyness? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So Martin Luther is um, perfectly right. <clears throat> like, so there are a number of reasons why I pray. One is because of the results I've seen and I know the power of prayer, but more importantly is the presence of God that you experience. Like if I go to a church and I do not experience the presence of God, sometimes I wonder why do I go to the church at all? If I go to a church and I don't experience, why am I in that church at all? The whole point, it is for me, is the joy of God's presence. Amen. And you cannot have that except in prayer. That you know, that's what I when I go to a church, um, the corporate presence is stronger than 
my in, the individual experience of God's presence I experience in my own private life. And so if I go to church and I don't experience the presence of God, I just feel it's a wasted opportunity, really wasted opportunity. And the presence of God makes all the difference. All, all your labor, your striving, your hard work, in a minute, the presence of God will take care of you. Apart from the joy of God's presence, the peace that's in God's presence, the hope that's in God's presence, the transformation and the change you experience in God's presence, if you are too busy, you lose the grace that comes with the presence of God. So if you are as much, you are perfectly right. If you are too busy, you have to pray more. You know, it's, there's a, there's a, there's something about the presence of God that you carry out with you when you emerge from that presence and you take into your workplace and it influences everything you do and the people you meet, the people you encounter. It really does. And it has an, a positive effect. You're actually far more productive, far more productive. So what I would suggest to people is that um, keep the effects of prayer constantly in your mind. If you can, and, and there will always be things to challenge that and want to take away from that. But if you are conscious of what prayer, the effect, the presence of God it brings to you, and then also the power it has in your life, if you keep that constantly in your mind, you will, not, you will no longer think of prayer as a duty or as legalistic. You will see it as vital for your success, vital for your joy, your peace, for your, for your, for your sanity, even for your sanity. So, so, so that's the first thing. And, and it's actually, you know, the Bible says without a vision, the people perish. Without a vision, or if you like, without hope, you know, like... A hope is the anchor of your soul. In other words, the hope is what keeps you grounded. And this is what really the, um, keeping the effect of prayer before you constantly. The effect of prayer is your hope. This is what I'm going to get out of prayer. And if you keep that constantly before you, you can it would sort of ensure that you do not move away from your daily devotion of prayer. The second thing is you need to feed your, your spirit along the lines of prayer consistently. In other words, read books on prayer. Read the scriptures on prayer. If you are a pastor of the church and you want your people to pray more, you have to teach on prayer. That's if whatever you want to see in your ministry, if you teach it, you will see it. If you teach on evangelism, your people will evangelize. If you teach on, on, on gifts of the Spirit, that is what you see. If you teach on um, um, love, your people would walk in love. It's whatever you, you feed your flock, they would um, respond to that. So same thing for yourself. If you feed consistently along the lines of prayer, you, there'll be something that is that word that drives you to prayer. And so for me to prayer is not, it's not, it's there's something within me that drives me and it's because I feed consistently along the lines of prayer. The third thing is take it slowly, you know, step by step. Don't jump to one hour. Oh, I want to be a man of prayer. You're going to start praying for one hour. Start with 15 minutes, start with five minutes of prayer, especially praying in tongues. <laughs> Just start slowly. 
And this is why there's a scripture in the Bible that says that he that gathers little by little will increase it. So um, another says that um, do not despise the days of small beginnings. So start small, five minutes today, five minutes to tomorrow. Once you develop some consistency, then you can decide to increase it. And this is why. So there's always a resistance of your flesh to prayer. So it's possible for anybody to say, oh, I will pray one hour. So today you pray one hour, you love it. Tomorrow you pray, but then your flesh has becomes angry because this is what you've subjected us to, one hour of prayer. So the next day when you start to pray another one hour, your flesh fights with such force because you want to subject your flesh to one, and you are now fighting on an unnecessary battle of your flesh because you are subjecting your flesh to one hour when your spirit is not yet ready for that battle. But if you say, okay, I'll just pray five minutes, the next day your flesh is going to put up a five minutes battle against you. But it's not easy for your spirit to win a five minutes battle against your flesh. And then you keep on doing that another five minutes, another five minutes. After maybe six months, your spirit is really strengthened. Your flesh, uh, so you bump it up to 10 minutes. But your spirit is much stronger to encounter the resistance your flesh, you know, poses. And then over time, your spirit builds up and then you find out that very soon you can move to one hour, two hours, three hours, and so on. So that's what I would advise you. You know, those are a few things that really help boost that. It's a journey, right? And always keep in mind that the whole point is to enjoy the presence of God and then to see the power of prayer. Yeah. So good, and so appreciate you sharing that. Um, it's it's interesting, you know. You are educated. You have, I think, you told me at one point over nineteen years of post secondary education. Um, accomplished yeah. as a doctor, accomplished in research, accomplished in, you know, your field of profession. Uh, you're not a pastor at a local church. And some would say, well, pray, prayers for the, the pastor, the leaders that lead the church, the evangelists, they should, you know, those people that do it full time. Um, what would you say as we talk spirit empowered leader to maybe you know, the mom that's watching that's leading her home or um, the engineer or the business person or the person that's just kind of living their life and go, I'm not really a pastor. What does prayer look like for you? Do you feel for a leader, for a spirit empowered leader? Yeah. So one of the persons in the Bible, biblical characters I used to model my life is Daniel. Daniel is a very, very interesting character. But before I get to him, uh, I'll just talk a little bit about Jesus's ministry. So Jesus, you know, had, now, you know, sometimes we, we don't get the full picture of Jesus's work because many times whoever preaches tends to preach from his own point of view. But Jesus's ministry was very, very interesting. He had a men's ministry, which was his 12 apostles. He had a women's ministry. The Bible says that there were some women that followed him from Galilee, a group of women, and I believe they were apostles, but that's another story. He had a children's ministry because they brought children to him, and when he went and entered into the temple, the children were crying out. That means he must have had some strong interaction with them. Now, even apart from the people that followed him, there were people that did not follow him. 
And there was, the apostles encountered one guy casting out demons. And they came to say, no, 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 you don't follow us. And they came to tell Jesus. And Jesus, first of all, Jesus told them that don't forbid him because um, whoever does a mighty work in my name will not soon afterwards deny me. So that means that there were some people that were followers of Jesus, but they were not in ministry. Yet they were doing miracles. So I think those people were probably the people that were supposed to stay in the social, in the marketplace, not be in you know full-time ministry. And there was another guy that came to Jesus. Jesus said, no, don't follow me. Go back. Go back to your home. And that was a guy he cast out a demon. So there were some people that were supposed not to follow Jesus, but were supposed to be either in their home, on their businesses, or elsewhere, shining the light of God in that particular area too. So I don't believe that everybody is supposed to be in ministry. And I also don't believe that you, you, I believe that you can be powerful even though you are not in the ministry like the apostles were. And, you know, there were other people like the Joseph of Arimathea. He was a rich man. Um, and there were other rich people that, you know, they, they probably had businesses because they were rich. So not everyone is supposed to be in ministry, but you can be powerful and be a light and walk in the presence and the power of the Spirit and not follow Jesus in ministry, so to speak. Now, back to Daniel. Um, Daniel was a prophet in the world, he was in the king's court. So, and, and I tend to see Daniel and, and the three um, Hebrew children, Daniel, Meshach, Abednego, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were administrators. So they were um, people out there in the workplace. And they had, they were flowing in God. Daniel was unique because he, the Bible says, as for these four children, God gave them knowledge, skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in visions and dreams. So Daniel and his three friends were in, in secular ministry, but Daniel also had a public ministry. And so I like fashioning myself after uh, my life after Daniel. I read after Daniel quite a bit because I want that knowledge, skill in all learning and wisdom that Daniel had. And he used it to impact a whole nation. He made the king of all the kings he served under, he made them prosperous in his secular ministry, also had a prophetic ministry and an intercessory ministry. In fact, the Bible talks about Daniel used to pray three times a day. In Daniel chapter 10, he was a mighty intercessor. The Bible says he went back and read what was in Jeremiah and came back to God's presence and prayed. And he had all these spectacular visions and revelations. So even though you are not in public ministry, you can be in the world, you can be in the marketplace, you can be at home, and you can still be mightily used of God. In fact, God wants to use you as mightily in the marketplace as he does the ministers who are out there in the field. So prayer and, and God and things of God is really for everybody, for everybody. And you can get deep into it as much as you want. Wow, so so good. Um, you know, I have, I have so many questions. We could go so many ways with this podcast because I, I just want to ask you so many questions. I know Donovan has questions and um, but one of the things that that I'd be interesting to hear you share on is, um, okay, you're accomplished. Um, you're accomplished in a real scientific, evidence-based 
science medical world where there's you know there's studies and there's evidence and there's there's that it's almost that natural world and then you're you're accomplished and you're a person of prayer in the in the spiritual in connecting and and seeing the spiritual things accomplished not by might not by power but by the spirit and i think you know all leadership trends you know and things fall short if it's not with by the spirit's work and there's something so we have this almost dichotomy of of things it would seem and here you're very spiritual um, and you're also very accomplished natural i know some people would say it's like if you want to be very spiritual then you you know have to work at you know a, a job at a restaurant that you know pays you ten dollars an hour and just so you can just go to every conference and go to every charismatic meeting there is and just you know just soak in the presence of god and yet you have a, a busy schedule you're at some of the top university hospitals you've been working, Mayo Clinic, all these different, you know, studying, working, being a part of it. And, and yet you're accomplished in prayer and accomplished in the things of God um, to say whatever, whatever that, you know what I'm saying. And so t tell me how that works in your mind. Like, like some would say, well, I can be, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm my God can't fit into my box. The spirit can't fit. They would be very linear and not able to connect with the spirit because it's science based and and, and all of this. And then others are like, well, they're, they're kind of no earthly good because they're way over here. And somehow you're this combination. So how have you navigated this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a fantastic question. And uh, it's something I've, I've always thought about for a long, long time. Because um, you, you, I do see that dichotomy um, um, with, and even from the teaching, sometimes I think that, um, and this is not a criticism, but it's really very easy for um, the lay members to be created in the image of their pastors. <laughs> so because the pastor is a, like, let's say an apostle, he has this, um, maybe he's, he has a, passion for the lost, he wants to go on missions, um, is very likely he will train his congregation to be in that same way. And because we don't see so many science people being pastors as well, you tend not to see that aspect of Christianity at least these days. But if, you, if there was a pastor who was also a scientist, I'm sure that balance would be there. But then the question is, where does God and science meets and I think that's an in, in interesting question because um, these days people are getting really anti-science because of um, the scientists are trying to push God to the side with all these theories of evolution and uh, saying that there's a natural um, explanation for everything and you know it reminds me of one scripture in the Old Testament which says that um, um, when I brought you out of the land of Egypt and you are full, be careful not to say that this is what my hands have done for me. And that's where we are right now. Because really, the place of scientific and technological progress that we are right now all started with the birth of the church and with Christianity. The first universities came out of Christianity. If you read, came out of Christianity, the Bible, 
um, science was really propelled by Christianity. Um, and then size developed. So if you look, read the history of the church, many of the early ministers were deeply scientific or educated people, and they pushed size to where it is right now. But as size grew um, and, and theories came out and replaced the older theories, um, people now began to think that, oh, we have knowledge, we don't need God. But that was a mistake. All this knowledge came out from God. And, uh, and history tells us that. But even the Bible tells us that as well. Um, when God created Adam and Eve and put them in the Garden of Eden, they were naked. And this is the way I think of it. They were naked. Did God expect them to be naked forever? No, because they were to make the Garden of Eden like heaven. And in heaven, you see there are streets of gold. You know, there are chariots. There are all this scientific um, machinery. In the uh, Revelations, there is this skyscraper. The city, uh, the Jerusalem is a skyscraper. Its length and breadth and height are the same length. So it's actually massive skyscraper. And then also, if you look at the first surgical operation, to me, it's mind-blowing, especially because as a person coming from medicine and science, when I go back and read the creation of Eve, it's mind-blowing. That is a perfect description of modern surgical practice. God took Adam and made him fall into a deep sleep. That's anesthesia. That's modern anesthesia. Then he opened it up Adam and took out a part of Adam and closed it back with flesh, you know, and that is a, that's a surgical technique in which you see grafting. It's, it's plastic surgery. He gra After taking out his skin of flesh, he now grafted back with Adam's tissue to cover up. That is plastic surgery, a modern surgical technique. He now took the piece that he brought out of Adam and created Eve. That is cloning. That is scientific cloning. <laughs> to tell you the truth, till today, it blows my mind. It is pure science. And this was written thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago before there was anything, any suggestion of such things. And you read it, and it's, it's always... So when you read the Bible, there's clearly nuggets of science here and there. It just takes someone to look and see that it's God's plan for science and technology to even come out and be where it is. We just have to see it in the Bible. And in fact, God can illuminate your mind and give you um, breakthrough, scientific breakthrough. He has done that for his people in the past, and he's still doing it right now. So to me, I do not see any contradictions between the Bible and science. I, though I don't spend time trying to reconcile it, I think it's a waste of time because, you know, science keeps on changing. And you, so you, we, what we think the Bible says about creation is really based on our current knowledge of science. So that's where the conflict is. We don't perfectly understand the science in the Bible. We just try to adapt it to the current knowledge. I tend not to waste my time on that. I believe the Bible is perfectly scientific, 
I believe there is no contradiction between the Bible and science. I believe, God, that the Bible is a foundation and every other human activity lies on top of the Bible. And if you uh, give yourself to the Bible, the, the Word of God, it would enhance every other area of human endeavor, whether it's literature, science, music, arts, culture. The, the Bible is supposed to breathe life and cause all that to grow. So from in a group of a, a two naked people in an uncultivated garden, God's purpose was to let it grow and develop and blossom. So to me, if you give yourself to God, God will bless you in every area of your life, including science. Well, that's such an amazing answer, Yari. I just, I'm amazed by just how smart you are. And I'm sure that many of the people who are listening today are, are being blessed just by hearing your story, your experience. Um, but one of the things we've been exploring a bit this season already has been as a spirit-led leader, one of the most important things is that we ourselves are led by the spirit. And so I'm just curious, just kind of in, in follow-up to the theological answer that you just gave us, practically, how do you live as a spirit-led person in your field? Like, what does that actually look like for you in your day-to-day -day life? It starts with um, what you do in your own personal, private devotion with God. And... Um, and so it's like, first of all, you have to make sure you have a balanced diet, right? And so when you study the Bible, you meditate in the Bible, you read the Bible, you have to um, make sure you tackle every particular area, not only of your relationship with God, but how your own um, encounter at work will turn out to be. So I have scripture for everything. I have scripture for uh, my, like if I'm, if I'm trusting God for his presence in prayer, I have a scripture like the one you quoted um, about the presence, your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand pleasures forever. So I have a scripture so that I can, ex I can use that scripture to experience the presence of God. Um, I have scripture for um, um, if, if I'm believing, if I'm praying for something, I have a promise that I can hang my faith on. And so also when I, I have a scripture for um, my life out there, um, my, my walk, uh, encountering people that trust in God for ideas. And one of the scriptures I use is um, that scripture about Daniel, God gave him knowledge, skill in all learning and wisdom. And then I also pray about it. And when you pray, you, you know, because the Bible says that the fellowship, our fellowship is with the Holy Spirit as well. And so the Holy Spirit actually wants to lead you into all truth, leads you into success in every area of your life. So in, in my closet, you need to deal with that consciousness that God is leading you, empowering you out there when you go to work, when you encounter people, when you feel tasks, um, uh, the tasks you face in life. I know I've experienced it like when I was, um, I was in... University of Alberta, when I first got there, and um, they told me that I want, they, my duty was to start up a molecular lab, and there was no money. So when I got there, they told me, that, oh, sorry, there's no money, no funding, um, because, you know, that's just the way it is. And I was just baffled. So I decided to depend on God, and I will tell you that God 
worked things in a miraculous, dramatic way. Looking back, I am amazed. When I was in it, things were unfolding step by step. But looking back, I'm quite amazed. Like when I applied to Emory, I didn't realize what God had done. But when I applied for this, I'm now at the Emory University at Atlanta, and it's one of the top universities here in the US. But when I applied and people looked at my CV and what I was, they were quite amazed. And they said, oh my goodness, how did you get all these things done? And it was not just only at Emory. Uh, it was the same thing I was getting. I applied to a number of universities and everyone was saying the same. And I thought back and looked, how did these things happen? It now turns out that God was just opening supernatural doors, you know, like for people would come to me and say, like companies would come to me and say, oh, if we put this equipment, half a million dollar equipment in your lab, we are giving it to you free of charge. All you have to do is buy our reagents. And the reagents that they were selling to us was actually cheaper than what we were using before. Or another guy would come to me and say, oh, I want to apply for this grant. And the grant is uh, uh, hundreds of thousands. And I want you to be part of the grant. I didn't go hunting for it. I was renting grants, no doubt. But people would come to me to be partners with me. And things were just happening. Doors were just opening, you know, you know, and we did, a, we accomplished quite a bit with nothing, with nothing from the hospital. And when I was the first person there, and because of what we accomplished, they were able to bring on, um, before I left, they brought on maybe about four other people because the lab had grown out of nothing. So when I look back, it was not really my effort. It was the spirit of God through the word of God because I held on to his promise. And that's just one area. I can talk about many areas, but there's something about the Holy Spirit coming to empower you where you are if you will devote and take advantage of his ever-present help. He's always there. We just have to take advantage of it. Yeah, you know, in, in journeying with you as a friend, and we have traveled, uh, we went to Brazil together on a ministry trip and, and different experiences to camps. And, and one of the things that as we have traveled, you have really impressed upon me is uh, there's prayer, and then there's also prayer in tongues, a prayer language. And so that might be new to some people uh, listening, but you, you would always say, did you pray in tongues? And so... Talk to us about your passion for tongues, because you've mentioned it a few times today. Um, and some people will just pray in English. And before I met you, I probably prayed a lot more in English. Uh, I find myself praying more in tongues. And so, so tell us, tell us where that kind of, um, yeah, just why you're so passionate about tongues. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I, you know, I know, I, I do agree that I'm quite passionate about tongues. So the big <laughs> things I'm passionate about is the word, because the word builds faith, and your prayers must be based on the word, because you really can't go into God's presence without a promise. You can, but you are, it's it's ineffective. If God, your the word of God is what you know, gives you God's attention. It's what moves God into action. But then God gives us the Holy Spirit as well to multiply our ability. So, because, and the truth about it is we are limited. We are praying, and if you read in the Bible, you see people who, 
appeared to be effective in prayer, but their prayer lives were limited. One big example is Abraham. When Abraham was interceding for the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, when you look at it from the from the surface, you think that he was very effective because, um, at least in Genesis uh, 18, or well, I don't remember the exact chapter, but he told God that, God, if there are 50 people in the city, will you destroy it? God said no. If there are 40, God said no. If there are 30, no. God said no. If there are 20, no. 10, no. And the language he was using, the boldness, he told God that, God, you are the creator, you are the judge of the whole earth. Will not the judge of the whole earth do right? I mean, the kind of boldness and effectiveness, the prayer um, he was praying, you know, it quite blows your mind. But then if you read a little bit further, he says that he, the following day he went and he looked and saw the smoke of Sodom and Gomorrah rising. Now, if we hadn't, if we couldn't get a peak view into that interaction, we would have thought his prayer wasn't effective. After all, he was praying that Sodom and Gomorrah shouldn't be destroyed, but there it was, it was destroyed. But when we have a peak look, a sneak look into his prayer, it was very intimate, very powerful. He was moving God. And that's part of the problem. He was limited in his knowledge. He didn't know that there will not be 10 people present in Somodam Gomorrah, and that's where the problem with his prayer was. I know that's just one pro one area. There are many other areas where we are, where we are short. You know, uh, maybe your anxieties are just clouding your mind. You're, you're tired. Um, you don't know what to pray. You don't have the energy, and that's where speaking in tongues comes in. Um, you know, Jesus used two examples for, um, he used a, a well and he used a river. Of course, the force behind a river is different between the, there's both water, but the force behind a river is far greater than that behind the well. And that's what tongues does. Why? Because it harnesses the power of the Holy Spirit in your prayer. This, that's just a few examples. I can talk about huge advantages of speaking in tongues. And, you know, in the Bible, uh, Paul said, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than you all. So, I mean, speaking in tongues is crucial. It, it, it takes your prayers to another level. To an, it, it's as if, in reality, it's the Holy Spirit praying through you. And, of course, there's no way you can compare your own effort to the effort of the Holy Spirit. And when you pray in tongues, you you yourself are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are energized. You are edified. And you know there are so many benefits. I would encourage everyone, everyone, spend time praying in the Spirit. Speaking in tongues is the key to every other thing in the Holy Spirit. It's so beautiful. You may not feel like it, but you don't need to feel good. You know, there's something that's happening inside your spirit. Ah, uh, so good. So good. Just so appreciate your heart and your, your hunger for prayer. And I, I don't know if you're like me listening to this and watching and, and you're, you're encouraged. You're encouraged in prayer. You're encouraged in, in your leadership uh, prayer level. And I, I you know, I've, I've kind of said this before, but I, I believe that spirit leadership, spirit and power leadership, um, sometimes we think it's innate. But I think it can be learned, and I think that's why we're doing this podcast. We're all on this journey learning, and I, I'm just 
we're learning from you today, Yari, and I know you're learning from us and we're, we're growing together and, and God wants to increase the level of prayer. And uh, any, any more, more thoughts that you have on spirit-empowered leadership? And in a moment, I'm going to ask you uh, to, to pray. And we're just going to spend a, a couple of minutes just inviting Holy Spirit. We know that Holy Spirit has already been working through this podcast today, uh, wherever you're listening. But we also feel like there's going to be a moment, and we do this at the end of everyone, just to have to have Yari's going to pray for us. And we're just going to uh, see what the Lord would want to do uh, for us today. And so any other thoughts, Yari or, or Donovan, some, some questions you have? Yeah. Um, well, I'll just share one last uh, w- one thought, and it is, um, as you said, you know, one of the things I learned from researchers, and it used to say quite a bit that there's a leader in every chair, and that is really, really, really true. There's a leader in every single chair, because everyone has a gift, and um, uh, a true leader, like, for instance, um, Travis and Donovan are the leaders of um, resurgence. But you know, one of the things they do is when they recognize someone who has something, they give the person a platform, an opportunity to lead. Uh, And so, and and the reason for that is that God has placed different gifts in different parts of the church. And so if you are listening um, to us right now, I think what I want to encourage you is, I want to emphasize that you are actually a leader. You are a leader. God has given you certain grace to be a leader and God needs you to rise and fulfill that leadership calling. And leaders are, in God's eyes, leaders are made, not necessarily born. We are all born leaders, but to fulfill the fullness of your leadership, God has to make you to be a leader. And sometimes you don't always have to have to be in the forefront. And I, I, I'm Anna Travis, I've had this conversation that it's possible to lead from behind, lead by example. And um, when we used to have prayer at my house, I never really led. And I used to tell Travis that, no, 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 no. I don't want to lead from, you know, like gather people, stand up and lead from. I want to lead by example from behind. And it has It used really- to annoy me. Can I interrupt? It, it used to annoy the heck out of me. Because I'm like, Yari, lead. Stop leading from behind. Stop leading way behind. We need you in front. And you're like, no, no, I'm to call lead behind. And I, oh, it annoyed me. I'm telling you, it annoyed me. <laughs> yeah. So, but so there are many leaderships that we are all called to be leaders. That you can lead from behind, you can lead from the side, you can lead from in front. Is how God would have you lead. <laughs> yeah, Yari. Before uh, you pray for us, I just want to honor you for that. Like I, um, Travis mentioned the role you've played in our community for a long time, and um, and just as somebody who is a part of the community. Uh, before I was even in any official leadership capacity, like you were somebody that really modeled prayer well. And, uh, and I just really think that I, I agree, like this posture of prayer, the passion that you had for prayer, it came through and uh, and it really did, I believe, impact the culture of the ministry that we're a part of. And, and I just want to say to those of you that are listening or watching today that if like your prayer life can make an impact on your church, it, it can be a way that that um, not only 
not only are you bringing your church before God and believing for him to do amazing things, but you can help others grow in prayer just by being yourselves. Like that's one of the things I love about you, Yari, is it never felt forced. It never felt like you're putting on a show. Like we could just tell this was the overflow of your prayer life with Jesus. Like, and and what we saw when you were praying for resurgence or praying with us was the real deal. And, uh, and I just want to honor you for that. And thank you for uh, taking this time today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You know, that's one thing I didn't mention, and I wish I had said a little bit more about it. Um, One of the things I did was uh, God would lead me from church to church or ministry to ministry to pray for those ministries. And um, I would, and the presence of God would come. I would actually see God move in a powerful way. One of the things I, uh, 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 that blesses my heart was 10 years after I'd left Alabama, the pastor wrote to me and said, thank you that we are praying every Monday night and the presence of God is moving in such a powerful way. And so that's one of the things I check because it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about people praying together, just like you said, Donovan. It's, you know, people rising and being who they are supposed to pray as leaders and, and in the place of prayer too. I appreciate that so much about you, Yari. And as you have shared and have have shared the stage at Resurgence or at our retreats or different conferences, um, you'll speak on prayer. I'll have you speak on prayer or on the word. And um, you don't leave beat up after listening to you. You leave, uh, I leave going, I need to pray more. Not because Yari's praying more, but he knows the Lord. And there's more of that relationship for me as a leader. And I want that. I want to read the word, not because I feel like bad and guilty and all this stuff, but I feel like I'm missing out on more of the Lord that I could experience. And so I just, I honor you as well for uh, that devotion and uh, what God's doing in you is incredible and the fruit. And so we want to take a moment and invite you to pray. And one of the things I felt that maybe you'd pray in for, be, be led by the spirit as you would feel to pray. And, and just for those watching, uh, wherever they're listening or watching. Um, but I felt like as you were talking about supernatural breakthrough in research in uh, the medical field that you've experienced. I feel like there is uh, professors, academics, uh, leaders in medical field and research. And I just had this picture of you sharing that and say, even, you know, there's supernatural and there's breakthroughs. And I felt like people are going to share this and go, hey, you need to listen to this. You're an academic, you're a researcher, you're, you're studying a cure to something. And I feel like as you pray, there's going to be a release of something. I don't even know. I felt like even in Europe and different places where people would be listening and there would be such a like, there would be such an encouragement and God would unlock something, maybe a thought in their mind. And so that's just a thought I had. If you could pray into that and then just pray for uh, leadership and prayer and whatever you feel uh, for every leader that's uh, uh, watching and listening today. Yeah, sure. I'll be happy to do that. Yeah. Okay. Heavenly Father, we want to praise and thank you for your greatness, for your goodness, for your love, your care, for your compassion. Thank you for calling us to be partners with you in your great work on the earth, in the diversities of the ministry which you bestowed on your church to be lights and examples and a city on the hill to show forth your glory, O God. Father, I pray, O God, for everyone who listens to this podcast, those who are out in the 
in ministry, but on also those who are out there in the secular world, those who are researchers, those who are academics, those who are in the intellectual spheres, oh God, because you've, that's where you've called them and appointed them to shine forth your light, to shine forth the light of God, the, the glory of the mind and intelligence and the wisdom of God where they are. Father, thank you because they are treasures of wisdom that you want to impact to these people you've called in the universities, in academic institutions, in research institutions. Father, I pray, oh God, for that your light would shine in their spirits. Your word says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Father, I pray for a quickening in their spirits, oh God, is stirring up. Father, that they will know that it's in you, that the things that they desire and they seek and they hunger for in their field, that they will find it in you, and that through them, that your ultimate purpose and plan in the area of science, in the area of technology, in the area of um, uh, the intellectual fields, oh God, your plan will shine through through them, that they will exercise dominion in all these areas, that the excellence, that's in the spirit of excellence will draw people onto, through their hands, through their works, the spirit of excellence will draw people onto our Lord Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all and Lord of everything, and that your name will be glorified. Father, I pray for Travis, I pray for Donovan, I bless them in the name of Jesus because they themselves have models prayer. They themselves have hungered and thirsted after your presence that comes through prayer. They've hungered and thirsted after your word. But I pray that through your hands you expand resurgence in ways beyond their imagination, that you reach people and drive people, that, that you reach people and carry people into higher realms of leadership, oh God, that they will raise up leaders everywhere in every sphere, in ministry, at home, in the workplace, oh God, that your transforming power would sweep over Edmonton, over Canada, and even beyond. Father, that they will be witnesses to your glory. They will be examples, oh God, to what you have desired for Canada, for Edmonton, oh God. Father, I pray, oh God, for a double anointing, a double portion of anointing upon their lives. Father, I pray, oh God, that you stir them up also to go deeper and deeper in the place of prayer, that you move them forward, oh God, that the power and the presence of God will flood their, their personal lives, their families, that you protect and transform them, that everything they do will be an example and will be to your glory. Thank you, Father God. You are the great and faithful God. You promised it and you will bring it to pass because of the great sacrifice of the blood of Jesus, because of the grace that was poured out by his cross. Father, I thank you because these things shall be. They will live in the fire of the Holy Ghost and all honor, all glory and praise will come to that great and majestic name that paid for it all by his blood and is now working it all through us to the glory of the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Yari. What a blessing yeah. uh, that prayer was and what a blessing it's been to hear your heart. I just love how your uh, just your knowledge of the scriptures and how you tie it into your life is just it's seriously something that I look up to you about. And I really uh, yeah, and I'm just so grateful that you were not only able to minister to Travis and I, but to whoever's listening to this podcast today. I think they've been blessed. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for a kind words. <laughs> yeah, th thanks, friend, and, and so appreciate it. We'll have to have you back. I know we could keep going for a couple more hours. And <laughs> and, uh, and uh, so thanks for joining us all the way from Atlanta today. Yeah. And it's such an honor to have you. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. It was Thank real you. good. It's, it was, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed myself too. Thank you. <laughs> Well, hey, we want to um, thank you for listening, for watching today. Um, those that have joined us maybe for the first time, we have a bunch of uh, episodes coming this season. We've already had a bunch of episodes. So if you want to check out the Spirit Empowered Leader podcast. It's, it's found everywhere podcasts are found. Um, and if you want to know more about the Ministry of Resurgence, if you want to connect, we want to hear from you. Uh, this podcast isn't about just us talking to some people and talking leadership things. We want to hear what's on your heart. Where are you watching from? If you would write a review, write a comment in your podcast platform, or even go to our website, liveresurgence.com. And you can even email at info at liveresurgence.com. Say hello. Say hello. We'll, we will email you back. We'd love to hear from where you're watching from. I know there's people all over the world that are that are tuning in. And so we would so love to just connect and to know where you're from and what God's speaking to you about leadership and spirit-empowered leadership. And uh, you never know, maybe we'll have you on a, a future episode. And so, um, but such a, such a rich day. Donovan, I am, I don't know what else to say, unpack what Yari just shared. There, there's so much here. Well, I loved what he shared about um, just starting small. I think it's really easy to think, how can I fit an hour into my day? But I think one of the things I'm going to take away is start small. And then God can do big things as we commit even just small amounts of time each day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I'm so challenged in, in praying and in praying in tongues. And I know in the times that uh, being around Yari and being in his home and we would do prayer together and, and, I, and I would always pray in English. And yet I had the experience. I had a prayer language. Uh, I'm Pentecostal by background. But, but there was a moment where I started to use that muscle of praying in tongues. And mm -hmm. there was something that really happened when there were situations. And even in this season that we've been through as COVID, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes as a leader, I didn't know what to pray and what to say. Because if you pray something, you'll offend someone. Like, you know what I mean? If you pray in English for something or against something, you'll have division. Because I'm like, I don't want to divide. I just want to pray in this season. And so I would just... Um, I would just basically just pray in tongues because I knew that God knew what to pray. I mm -hmm. knew that Holy Spirit could guide my prayers. I knew that he totally. has the most effective prayer and the most effective words. And so mm -hmm. um, just so encouraged by that. And, and I, I know after the, even hearing this today, I, I need to pray more in, in the prayer language and the spirit. And, uh, and mm -hmm. so... Well, this has been our podcast for today. And thank you for joining us on the Spirit Empowered Leader. Uh, remember, there's a leader in every chair. There's gold in you, and we call it forth in wherever God has called you to lead. And so join us next time. We're looking forward to journeying uh, on, on, this, on this journey about Spirit Empowered Leadership. So appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Spirit Empowered Leader Podcast. We hope that this podcast has encouraged you as an empowered leader. This podcast is brought to you by Resurgence Initiatives. Our mandate is to revive churches, release leaders, and reach people. We are on a journey, and the dream God has put in our heart involves you. Learn more at liveresurgence.com or on Instagram at liveresurgence.